0: Renegade Broadcasting, hard-hitting talk radio.
1: Hello, everybody. How's it going? It's Sinead, and I'm going to do a show today. So, I wanted to start out talking about this whole Ghislaine Maxwell arrest story, Because it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yay, hooray. That would be great if there there was actually justice. But I don't think that's what's happening here whatsoever. So I found an article here that kind of goes over some of the inconsistencies, how it doesn't really make sense. And then I'll get into her sisters, who I actually did not know about. Um, I think they had something to do with the whole Promise software. Um, God, they are very ugly. Ghislaine must have gotten a little bit of the, of the Goyim jeans because she looks like not entirely disgusting. You're like, eh. yeah, she got older. Yes. But her sisters, man, wow, they definitely got the, uh, the ugly jeans. So let's look into this article that I found here. The Epstein-Gate conspiracy analysis rests squarely on a certain premise. That premise is that the mainstream media never, ever tells the truth about matters of great import or those that are highly consequential for the power elite. Yes, that's true. Yes, the MSM does report the facts from time to time, but only when it serves its interests and the interests of the powers that be. This has always been the MO of the CIA's mockingbird media. They start the lies and then the corporate media echo chamber dutifully repeats them like a singing mockingbird. All right, so let's look into the timing of her arrest. And also, maybe I'll get into my article I wrote on the connection between her and Jean Benet. Um, Ghislaine is using the same lawyers as... uh, uh, John and Patsy Ramsey, was that the mom's name? Uh, John Benet's parents, the Ramseys. So they're using the same law firm. And I think just a few days before Ghislaine was arrested, she was basically filing paperwork with her lawyer. So, okay, the timing of her arrest... Ghislaine Maxwell, a British socialite notorious for her long and deep association with financier and convicted, convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, was reportedly arrested on Thursday, July 2nd at her reclusive million dollar mansion in Bradford, New Hampshire. OK, so <laughs> I thought she left. Didn't she leave? And OK, now she's living in New Hampshire like like they had no idea about this. The FBI had no idea. Okay, so note that the arrest was allegedly carried out by the FBI just two days before the most anticipated 4th of July in the past 200-plus years. Has the FBI arrested a single deep state criminal since 9-11? Has director Christopher Wray made even one move to drain the swamp? This arrest took place against the backdrop of a second wave of fake coronavirus outbreaks across the country. Oh, yeah, and apparently Ghislaine has coronavirus, too, so I could... You know, predict that she'll either hang herself like Jeffrey did or um, she'll like die of coronavirus. <laughs> All right. States reopening, especially the big four Florida, Texas, California, and New York were suddenly thwarted by inexplicable COVID 19 spikes that were reported to be worse than the initial wave. Ugh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, we're dealing with mask mandates in this uh, state right now. <laughs> Luckily, my City hasn't required it yet, but like every other city around us has. It's it's retarded, but um, death rates are apparently going down. But you know, positive tests are going up, and even I saw some guy on TikTok talking about how his mom and her friend were going. Uh, they signed up to get tested, and um, yeah, they signed up to get nasally raped, and. Um, they couldn't make it because the line was way too long and they decided, let's just go another day. And then they get an email a couple hours later saying, you've tested positive for COVID-19. I mean, are, do, do we really trust these tests? Okay. So all these things are going on while Ghislaine is arrested. Not, not only that, but the entire nation has been reeling from violent protests. Huh, protests. And staged riots. I mean, staged, yeah, but like it's just chimp outs, basically. Um, since the fake murder of George Floyd on May 25th. This continual racial conflict and chaos orchestrated throughout American cities by Soros-funded, Obama-directed... <laughs> please, Obama-directed Black Lives Matter. It's not... Obama doesn't control... Blo- like, just Black Lives Matter. He doesn't control that much at all. He's just a frickin' pawn for the Jews. Not that he's a good guy or anything, but I'm so sick of these... This must be like a Trumper. It's Obama! Obama's still running the show. <laughs> that Muslim. Okay. Um, but yeah. So we have all this going on with Antifa and everything. And then we see this Jeffrey Epstein statue that was erected in downtown Al- downtown Albuquerque, which was weird. I mean, he had a you know Zorro ranch in New Mexico, but I don't think it was anywhere near Albuquerque. Um, and this statue looks nothing like him at all. Um, it looks like an Aryan man. And so I... Maybe they just had it, like, sitting around, and they thought, okay, we'll just put it out there. But um, I went over the artist collective in an article I did that was responsible for it. You can't find anything about this uh, artist collective at all. So, okay, yeah, the statue appears, and this event happened on July 1st, just one day before Maxwell's arrest. So that just tells me there was some foreknowledge. Obviously, this whole sequence of events has been carefully coordinated by an extremely powerful group. Who knows exactly what's going on in the background here? Um, They're called Jews, yes. Also consider that during the same week, this highly unusual judicial ruling was made on July 3rd. Judicial evidence tampering files containing names of Epstein's associates ordered destroyed by corrupt judge. To add even more intrigue to this rapidly unfolding drama... Jeffrey Epstein's famous attorney and likely co-defendant, Alan Dershowitz, what a beautiful man, what a mensch, was recorded in a telephone conversation about some legal irregularities regarding the improper release of highly sensitive sealed materials. Yeah, I even heard something, I think Charlie mentioned, about how um, Dershowitz was suing the creators of the Filthy Rich series, which was, that series was a joke. It was an absolute joke. And many of these people, like Dershowitz, were in it. They agreed to to be in it and got paid to be in it. So it's not like Dershowitz is actually threatened by this film. He's just trying to make money if he's suing. (laughs) He was on there. Like, he was, you know, defending himself on the documentary. So what a joke that was. But anyways, um, now this whole thing with Dershowitz, this conversation uh, took place Thursday, July 2nd, okay? You can even read this article here. Alan Dershowitz reacts to Judge Preska's latest ruling and Ghislaine Maxwell's reported arrest. Okay, well, we won't do that today. This particular prominent piece of the drama has since been interpreted by some Epstein-Gate analysts in such a way that they are asking the question, did Alan Dershowitz just imply that if anyone takes him down, he will take down the Rothschilds? Ah, yeah, I, I doubt that. All right, so let's get to the location of the arrest, okay? She's out in New Hampshire, randomly. Um, So right in the midst of all the aforementioned manufactured national pandemonium, the most wanted person in the world is suddenly arrested at her large estate that was purchased anonymously and named Tucked Away. I think she was even going by, like, some name on her phone, like, something max, like not even trying to hide her identity, but you don't have to when you're literally embedded within the FBI, the intelligence networks. It's just the Mossad. That's all that it is. They are controlling like all of our countries right now. Okay. How and why does the FBI's most wanted buy a a million dollar home? It was, I guess, 4,300 square feet on 156 acres with a half a mile driveway How does she buy this in the in the middle of the New Hampshire wilderness? You know, when she's a fugitive, the mansion you see is quite surprisingly located only 260 miles from the Manhattan federal court in which Maxwell was just charged, uh, followed by her jailing, jailing. I highly doubt this lady, lady, this creature is in prison. So why would a woman born in France, domiciled in the UK and with deep connections throughout Israel, situate herself so close to the New York jurisdiction? that has had her under serious investigation at least since the time that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. That's right, Maxwell didn't move to that area of New Hampshire. <laughs> then where is she? Remember when Jeffrey Epstein quite suspiciously took a flight from Paris, France, just before he was arrested in July of last year? Well, why would such well-connected pedo-gate operatives like Epstein, with all of his connections throughout the U.S. intelligence community, walk right into an easily foreseen and government-coordinated dragnet? That's right, he wouldn't, unless there were things that were perfectly set up for him to skate when the time was right. Now, we're all witnessing Act 2 of the most captivating crime series since Bonnie and Clyde, Jeffrey and Ghislaine. It's apparently time for Ghislaine to skate. We're talking about the most complex global criminal conspiracy that basically underlies all other major crime sprees being perpetrated across the planet today. In view of the sheer enormity and profundity of the atrocities executed by this all-powerful international crime syndicate, does anyone really believe that the FBI has apprehended Ghislaine Maxwell? No. And... You know, there are so many limited hangouts out there with this whole Epstein thing. They'll say, Epstein didn't kill himself. Someone else did. Uh, No, Epstein is not dead. (laughs) He's not dead. He's probably... Who knows where? They could be anywhere they wanted to, but probably Israel, because it's pedophile haven, but they could be in their freaking houses, for all we know. Why would we believe this? Why? I mean, it would be nice to believe. Like, I would love to think, yeah, finally, something's being done, but... I don't think so, personally. Okay, so this brings us back to the $64,000 question, why now? Why did the G-men stage this utterly implausible and really ridiculous hoax whereby Ghislaine is ready to be suicided or whisked away to Israel unless she's already in Tel Aviv? They did it for many reasons, as always. Of course, distraction is forever an important purpose behind these transparently staged and overly dramatic events. However, in this case, Maxwell does prevent a huge problem. Sorry, present a huge problem for everyone concerned. Just who are those very concerned parties? Well, let's see Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Lots of VIPs, power brokers, Illuminati families, Jews. Whenever there are fingerprints all over an international crime scene from the likes of Prince Andrew, Henry Kissinger, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton, Bill Gates, Tony Blair, John Kerry, Rupert Murdoch, Dershowitz, etc., there is an obvious need to eliminate the witnesses. Yes. Which means that Maxwell must be dealt with one way or another. Just as Epstein was permanently removed from the scene, Maxwell will also be, as she knows way too much about too many VIPs. The law and order establishment knows that every day Maxwell was roaming free around the globe, as she has. The pressure to charge her would ratchet up accordingly. And so it did. Because of what's truly at stake for both parties during this final election cycle, the mere perception of either side of the political aisle being guilty of official misconduct and or willful negligence and or criminal complicity on the part of any of the Pedogate Central players could translate to an October surprise of epic proportions. Miss uh, misprison of felony alone is enough to get any politico knocked off their perch in the current climate, yes? Hence, a decision was made at the very pinnacle of the peak of the pyramid of pedogate power structures to create a new narrative, and fast. Expect the unexpected any time. No matter what does or does not transpire with regard to this open case, the world audience will inevitably be captivated by a well-rehearsed and highly orchestrated series of events that will attempt to bring final closure to Epstein Gate. What that looks like is anyone's guess, but this story really has only so many possible endings. In light of so much manufactured mayhem worldwide, it's even likely that the ultimate disposition of this case takes place in an anticlimactic matter. Or that the ultimate determination of Gillian Maxwell's domicile takes place totally under the radar in either or any case, bringing closure to the Epstein and Maxwell crime series is the immediate goal here. And TB (laughs) and TP TB will do so well before November 3rd, 2020. I think that means the powers that be (laughs) nevertheless, alt media articles, titles like those that follow are as predictable as they are realistic. Was Ghislaine Maxwell just arrested so she could also not kill herself? If Ghislaine really names names, won't she be added to the Clinton body count? Oh, God. (laughs) Arrested and jailed. Really? Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested and jailed? Hmm? Yeah? As you can tell, we don't think so. And this phone conversation with the jail that's supposedly holding the ex-fugitive seems to corroborate our thesis. Well, let's check this out. Okay, let's press play. It's loading. (laughs) Who is this guy? He looks familiar.
0: Thank you for calling the Merrimack County Department of Corrections inmate information system. Please visit us at www.merrimackcounty.net for more information. You may make your selection at any time. For information about an individual inmate that is currently detained, please say inmate or press 1 for information about the facility and to look up an inmate by name, say name Name. or press 1 to look up an inmate. Slowly and clearly, speak the inmate's first and last name. Gislaine Maxwell. The closest inmate name match seems to be Gislaine Maxwell. Who is... Fifty-eight years old. If this name is correct, say yes Yes. or press one. You have no access to this inmate records, which were last updated at three thirteen p.m. The following information is all that is available for this inmate at this time. For charge information for this inmate, please say charges or charges. press one. For bond information. I'm sorry. Charges for... Kisleen, Maxwell. We're not found within the inmate information system. Bond. For charge information for this inmate, please say charges or press 1. For bond information, say bond. Bond. Press 2. For projected relief... To stop playback, please press pound. I'm sorry. Bond information for... Kisleen, Maxwell was not found within the inmate information system. For charge information for this inmate, please say charges or press 1. For bond information, say bond or press 2. For projected release date, say release date or press 3. For information about update, just Maxwell is not scheduled at this time.
1: So, okay. No charges. No bond. And uh, no release date. (laughs) Okay. And then I guess um, not long after that call to the jail, this data mysteriously popped up. Update. A call to Merrimack County Jail reveals Maxwell, age 58, is being held without charges, no bail, and no scheduled release. To date, there has been no photograph of her arrest. You'd think they would at least have one. There's been no mugshot available through the unusual channels. Yeah, everyone keeps just showing all these news outlets just keep showing a picture of her, not a mugshot. They at least had a mugshot of Jeff, of Jeffy. All right. Of course, there has been absolutely no official video released of her Bradford, New Hampshire estate or her apprehension by 24 FBI agents at her home, where she was allegedly hiding out. Without perp walks, mugshots, and courtroom photos, the public is left in the dark, not only as to whether a suspect has actually been captured, but also as the condition of the suspect upon arrest and at the time of the first hearing. The ramifications of such obfuscation are endless, not only in terms of justice, but also for the safety of the accused. Hmm. As if anyone, especially the most wanted woman in the USA, could ever secretly buy a million-dollar home without the authorities getting wind of it. Yeah. Yeah. The NSA and CIA and FBI together have access to every single digital communication made, twenty four seven, within the province of the five eyes. So how in creation could Maxwell ever elude the feds for so long? She she couldn't. She is with the feds. What kind of justice can possibly come from a show trial when Ghislaine Maxwell's presiding judge is an ultra liberal, gay, Jewish social justice warrior? <laughs> Conclusion. The airing of the legitimate grievances and corresponding evidence in a court of law is simply not feasible where it concerns the unparalleled Epstein and Maxwell crime wave. Nor is it even conceivable that the global power structure would permit the exposure or dismantling of its multimillennial control mechanism known globally as pedogate. After all, virtually every powerful elected representative and government official, as well as influential corporate CEO and president, operates under the command and control structure of the company, also known as the Central Intelligence Agency. Were Ghislaine Maxwell to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, the entire global crime syndicate would collapse in a day and a night. Therefore, it's the studied opinion of this conspiracy realist that if anything big does occur with this ultra radioactive criminal case, it will be handled in a fashion not too much like the multiple controlled demolitions on September 11th, 2001. Yeah, I feel like this is a controlled demolition. And also, it's, it's just normalizing it. People are getting so used to hearing about it. They don't care. They care about um, George Floyd, but not these white girls that were enslaved and abused. Who cares, right? In other words, the worldwide pedo-gate edifice may likewise be ostensibly demolished purely for show, just as the World Trade Center buildings were meticulously brought down into their own footprints. That translates to very little, if any, meaningful revelation or subsequent law enforcement actions against the top-tier pedogate gate perpetrators. Bottom line, Ghislaine Maxwell was likely not arrested, and if she was, it was only to remove her from the global stage out of existential necessity. The Global Pedogate Crime Syndicate is, in reality, a highly organized Kazarian Mafia. I think they're just Jews. Jewish Mafia? Chabad Mafia? Yeah. Blackmail operation overseen by the Zionist Camarilla. Epstein and Maxwell were appointed as high-profile frontmen, whose primary function was to closely network with the who's who of high society in every sphere of life, hence the greatest likelihood where it concerns Ghislaine Maxwell's, Maxwell Epstein's Mossad handler, is that. Yeah. I thought that was a good article, and that's what I'm thinking these days. I just don't think she was arrested. No, I don't think that they're innocent, right? But they're obviously going to be protected because they could bring down a lot of people. However, I do think this is good that this is in the news because I've been able to talk to people and tell them what the Mossad is. They never knew what the Mossad was. What's that? Oh, you want to know about this Mossad? Okay, there's Israeli really secret intelligence. And you know, have you ever wondered why there are so many dual Israeli citizens in positions of power in our countries? It's so strange, right? It's almost as if Jews are trying to take over the world or Yeah, wow, that's weird. <laughs> so, obviously it can be used uh to spread the truth to people. But no, like she's not actually in any kind of danger here. <laughs> no. I wish I maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. All right, so let's move on here to um yeah this whole John Binet thing. I might get into this this article. Um not not the one I wrote because the one I wrote is just based on a picture. Um apparently there's this picture going around and it really does look like Gillian, uh in the background of a picture. One of the last pictures that was taken of Jean Bene Ramsey. But looking deeper into this whole Jean Bene Ramsey case, it could have been completely fake. I'm not saying that things like this don't happen, but there are a lot of inconsistencies in the story that don't make any sense. It might have been like one of their little ritual things to just really mess with everybody's heads and, you know, like a sacrificial lamb, basically. So I wanted to read up, it was an old Twitter thread actually that was saved. And it was just about this whole Jean Benet case and how there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't add up. So I wanted to kind of go over that because I think a lot of these big um, crimes and, and cases that we see paraded around the mainstream media, a lot of them are fake. You know, why don't you hear about the local kid that went missing? I mean, I get Amber Alerts on my phone all the time. And I don't know if these kids are found. Probably not. How many children go missing every day? Like thousands why don't we hear about those stories? But we hear about Casey Anthony. We hear about Natalie Holloway. We hear about Madeline McCann. We hear about Jean Benet. So, why is that? And I think this, artic- this thread that someone put together uh, makes a lot of sense. So, let's go over it. All right. Scorched. It had to be done, not to erase, but to reveal. The thread generated an absolute firestorm of activity, ignited by the death of Jean Benet. A most flammable tinder, a most unsolvable murder, a most insidious louche. Everything we seem to know about JBR is an illusion. Now, first, the definition of louche. It's an energy generated by all organic life in varying degrees of purity, the clearest and most potent coming from humans engendered by human activity, which triggers emotion, the highest of such emotion being love slash louche. It wasn't about Jean Benet. It was about the death of Jean Bonet, an innocent lamb slaughtered on Christmas, no less. What could be more horrific, more all consuming, more looshing than a child beauty queen's lifeless little body being found in the basement by her father? So we'll just see here if you do a Google search for Jean Bonnet, it'll say the death of Jean Ramsey, December twenty sixth, ninety sixth through December twenty fifth, ninety sixth. That's weird. Uh, Okay, I guess because it happened at night or something. Usually it would be the 25th through the 26th. I don't know why they're doing it backwards, but okay. And it shows some pictures of her and her beauty queen stuff. This case captivated an entire nation, an entire world, seemingly from the moment Patsy Ramsey dialed (laughs) 911 right up until this very day. Now we see some pictures here, some news articles. Jean Binet Ramsey, photographer, jailed on child porn charges. So that's interesting. Uh, man facing child porn charges in Oregon, sold photos of Jean Binet. Jean Binet wasn't a sacrifice at all. She was a spell cast over all of us, a composite of purity and light developed and deployed in the dark. Every detail of this case seems to evoke. Pain, suffering, disgust, our most powerful, draining negative emotions. This is by design. Did you know there's no record of Jean Bonnet's body ever being received by the Boulder County Coroner's Office? And by the way, Boulder, Colorado, there's a lot of military stuff going on there. That's right, two logbook pages recording the arrival of Jean Bonnet Ramsey at the morgue went missing, stolen, gone, as if they never existed. So we see a uh, news article here from the Associated Press. An artist who admitted stealing a logbook page that recorded the arrival of Jean, Jean Benet Ramsey's body at the morgue was accused Thursday of trying to burn down the Ramsey home. Hmm. Remember this 1996. Uh, sorry. Remember this is 1996. There are no digital admittance forms at the Boulder C- County coroner's office. Six months after JBR's death, a man who called himself JT Colfax turned himself into the police. He confessed to the theft and for trying to burn down the Ramsey's now vacant home. Thompson, 33, told investigators he had tried to set fire to the vacant Ramsey house after spending the night on the property. The Ramseys, whose six year old daughter was found slain in the basement of the home on December 26th, have put the house up for sale and reportedly are trying to buy a home outside Atlanta. An odd, never reported twist, no? To everyone asking what happened to the original thread, deleted. First, I needed you to walk the same path that I'd obsessively, earnestly followed for years, decades really. To see what I saw, discover what I'd discovered, connect what I'd connected. Now we're ready to see. This person does not exist. Neither does this person. Neither does this person. He's showing um, CGI composites that basically can create fake people. Just imagine how many people we've been shown, you know, on the media and the news that aren't even real. These are just literally computer creations. Every one of these faces are AI-generated fakes, products of American GPU producer NVIDIA's new work with Generative Adversarial Networks, or GANs. GANs were introduced to the public in 2014 by a Google researcher. But when was this tech first developed? The Ramsey family moved to Boulder from Atlanta in 1991, soon after John Ramsey's firm, Access Graphics, was acquired by Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin is a big like, military company. I think they make bombs and stuff like that. They're huge. What did Access Graphics do exactly, and why move the entire business and family to Boulder when Lockheed already had a large footprint in Georgia? Did you know that in 2000, John and Patsy Ramsey told Larry King that they'd never received or even seen an official death certificate for their daughter? Three years later and no death certificate. Have you ever lost a loved one? A certified death certificate is essential. Here's a transcript transcript between Ramsey and Larry King. Ramsey, we've... The police have not talked to us at all. We don't know what's been done. King, well, they have questioned you, right? Ramsey, they have questioned us extensively. King, but they haven't told you anything about... You, you have not seen the death certificate? Ramsey, no. Patsy Ramsey, no. King, you don't know how your daughter died? Ramsey, well, we do. From what we... She was strangled. <laughs> okay. Here's the full transcript from the Larry King show. It's fascinating and worth uh, close inspection. I will be referring to it again. Larry King Live, John and Patsy Ramsey tell their side of the story. I don't think we need to listen to it because we just got the gist of it there. Okay, quick recap. So there's no record of JBR's body being admitted to the Boulder County Coroner's Office, thanks to the stolen pages from the morgue logbook. You know, totally not suspicious. And then, second, the Ramseys never saw or received a death certificate, but somehow they know that their daughter was strangled. What? Okay. So think for a moment. In these 23 years since the death of jean Jean-Benet Ramsey, have you ever heard either of these details? Most likely not. Yet this is not speculation, it is fact. The previous thread, though, intriguing and seemingly well-researched, was 100% speculation. If you are new, here is the original thread. Please read with caution and with open eyes. I'll take a look at it, but we might be backtracking. We'll keep going on this one. It represents the narrative we have been cro- programmed to uncover, programmed to believe, an intellectual bear trap laid to entrap and enslave our collective conscious. As I lay in bed staring into the morning darkness, I couldn't help but remember what a spark plug Jean Binet always was to our family. That was a quote from John Ramsey in uh, the book, The Death of Innocence. And I bet both parents wrote books and made a bunch of money off of them. Or were they even her parents? Like, did this girl exist? I don't know. Maybe. Some people say that, oh, it's it's a young Katy Perry. You know, who knows? But we have to at least ask questions here because this stuff is not lining up. It's weird. Here's another quote about her being a uh, spark plug. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it's still John Ramsey saying this. She was our spark plug. She was the energy in our family. All right, so here's the definition of a spark plug. It's a device for delivering electric current from an ignition system to the combustion chamber of a spark ignition engine to ignite the compressed fuel-air mixture by an electric spark. So it's a device for delivering electric current. Okay, in an interview with Denver's Nine News, John Ramsey stated Jean Bonnet's death had been a near-mortal wound. Near-mortal? Interesting. Again, with the spark plug reference. She was the spark plug in our family, and the loss of that presence was just crushing. That was a quote from some article. Back to the generative adversarial networks, and more specifically, deep, con- deep convolutional generative adversarial networks, which are DCGANs. First, you'll need to accept that everything you thought you knew about the death of JonBenet Ramsey was based on a carefully constructed, expertly executed illusion. For lack of a more elegant term, a hoax. Perhaps the most famous hoax of our lifetime. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players. This is the first photo of jean Bonnet released to the public. An avalanche of striking and photos and videos of a little girl in pageant Queen Regalia would follow. But this was the first. It was also the very first digitally generated face we'd ever seen. Jean Bonnet was a test. I mean, if you look at it now, it does look odd. It does just look odd. You know? I mean, if you were to just not know that they can do this and you would look, oh, it's a cute little girl, but there's something off. There's definitely something off. It wasn't perfect, but it was good enough to cast the spell. America and the world would be transfixed for decades. Years later, as the tech advanced, an attempt was made to fix some of the imperfections and incongruities these type of simulated facial images are known for. Here is a side-by-side. Yeah, they definitely made it look more human. Definitely. All right, if you're thinking, well, that's just a different photo, you're correct. It's a completely different image. Jean Benet 2.0. Yeah, they really like smoothed out the face and just brought more life into, into the picture. It's very creepy. The changes are subtle but sophisticated. How does this technology work? It's complicated, highly advanced computing that I cannot begin to adequately explain. But if you're curious about the origins, capabilities, and advances in generative adversarial networks, I recommend this source. All right, we'll take a look. It's just so creepy. They're showing, like, how they take a face and just they make a bunch of different faces. These people don't even exist, but they look real. It's, it's wild. It's just <laughs> it's crazy. It's wow. I encourage everyone to visit this web- website, com. Visit, then refresh. Keep refreshing. Every single photo on the site was created using generative adversarial networks, a hyper-sophisticated form of artificial intelligence. Well, let's see. Let's see. Oh, my God. So these people don't exist? This dude looks real. Like, they have, like, the wrinkles and, like, the, you know, like, the age spots and the Okay, let's see another one. I wish you guys could see these with me. This person doesn't exist. They look real. It's so creepy. They have very human look to their uh, human look to their skin and like the l- little wrinkles and laugh lines and the teeth, the coloring. It's wild. You guys should check this out. Thispersondoesntexist.com. Man, like technology's great. I love technology, but why the hell would we ever need this kind of technology? <laughs> No sane person is like, let's teach computers to make fake people and then mess with people and convince them that these are real. This is some fricking sorcery. It is weird. And it's just unnecessary. You don't need that. You know, why can't we make technology that like produces food forests instead of like making fake people? (laughs) That'd be cool. But anyways, let's get back to this. So, again, saying this Chambonet person does not exist. Yes, 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 I miss thread one, two, but the Band-Aid rip has to be quick. Every detail in that thread was straight out of the public playbook. The nebula of dark, richly coded information that saturates our collective conscious. Whether we realize it or not. A smokescreen. Fiction. I remember being a young child and, this you know, watched, having my parents watch the news about this whole Bonnet thing and seeing her all over the cover of People magazine and all these different magazines. And it was, I mean, I can't say it was, like, completely traumatic, but it was definitely scary, you know. I remember growing up and being, like, terrified that just, not only because of this event, but just everything that was put out in the media that I was exposed to as a child, just being terrified to even, like sleep on my side in my own bed, I, you know, just thought something was going to get me, something's under my bed, something's lurking outside of my house. I was just a very fearful child, really, up until, like, a really old age, and I'm still super jumpy about everything. You can ask Kyle. It's a running joke. Like, I know he's in the house. We're together all the time, but, like, if he comes up behind me and I, am like, focused on something, I'm like, <gasps> and I get all startled. He's like, what? How many years have we been together? And you're like still terrified when I like (laughs) walk in the room. I'm just a very jumpy person. Okay. So every gruesome detail flung out onto the public by the media, like a vat of boiling hot grease, swift, horrendous, never to fully heal. As for, as from people's original story, that's people magazine, um, on the mysterious murder of Jean Benet Ramsey, published in January of 1997, we see this. Their reluctance would be now understandable. Certainly, no surprise could have been more terrible than that. Then the one that confronted John and Patricia Ramsey on the day after Christmas, when their six-year-old daughter, Jean Benet, a lovely child who had won the local Little Miss Christmas beauty pageant, was discovered dead in the basement of their home with duct tape over her mouth and a cord twisted around her neck. Okay. A small Santa in a red and green sleigh sits under a giant evergreen tree by the driveway. Striped candy canes line the path to the front door. More on, ominously, the entire property is bordered by bright yellow crime scene tape. Whoops, oh. oh, sorry. Like a package no one wanted to open. Sucker punch. I remember this image. This is a very iconic image. You know, and it's, it's like, yay, Christmas. And no, death, murder. A little girl was murdered. It's, yeah, it's like burned into my mind. Recall the Larry King live interview on CNN where John and Patsy revealed they'd never once seen or requested their daughter's death certificate in the three years since her death. A little bit suspicious there. Can you imagine if you lost a child, like, you would demand answers. You wouldn't just be going on CNN like, I don't know, I think she was strangled or something. No one's telling us, but, like, When we found her, she had, like, a cord around her neck or something. So, yeah, pretty sure she was strangled. Okay, they also said there was no yellow crime scene tape around their home. So why do we see this iconic picture of the yellow crime scene? Well, because it's probably fake, just like Jean Benet might be fake. Naturally, you'll think they must have misspoken. Misrecalled, right? How could John and Patsy Ramsey be expected to recall such minute, insignificant details as to certificates and yellow tape when their precious angel was murdered by a podi- by a pedicidal maniac, for heaven's sake? Introducing the big lie, a deception so colossal, if the public were to wake from under its spell, it could dis- disrupt the entire social order. A lie so big, so complex, no one would ever think to question. Hmm... Hitler supposedly coined the phrase, doesn't mean the concept isn't true. Well, Hitler was frickin' right. He's probably talking about the Holocaust. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, he would be. Okay, this is, yeah, they just show the the quote from Mein Kampf. Let's start again with the pageants, shall we? Potentially the most salacious, provocative, divisive elements of the entire case— was Patsy Ramsey, former beauty queen from West Virginia, pushing Jean Bonnet into the murky, highly sexualized, exploitative world of child pageantry? Well, that's what we're told, right? Here's a comprehensive list of pageant titles Jean Bonnet Ramsey, infamous child beauty queen, is purported to have won America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. Impressive, prolific, complete bullshit. In all my years, all my searches, I'd never questioned the pageants. Why would I? The pageants were akin to oxygen for this story. Abundant, unending, necessary. But were they real? They sure felt real, sure looked real. The hair, the makeup, the sequence, the crowns... fake? Even the 1997 People magazine cover about the case referred to Ramsey as a pageant princess... What happens when we pull back the veil and look just beyond the curtain of taffeta blurring our vision? Just what exactly is a national tiny Miss Beauty? This is the first pageant I looked into ever. I never, ever thought to search the actual pageants from the tiny Miss homepage. Beauty pageants for young ladies, six months through 19 years of age. Note age is day of the pageant. What age is day of the pageant. I don't know what that means. Okay. Copyright 1997? Hmm, okay. Didn't JonBenét Ramsey die in 1996? That's very curious, isn't it? Also, it's not an actual pageant. No title can be won because it's not an actual pageant, just a pageant preparation. A dress rehearsal. No pressure. Or was it something else altogether? This is from their site. We are not a pro-am pageant. We prepare young ladies to compete in Miss America and Miss USA type pageants. Let's look at another title of Jean JonBenet's. At least Tiny Miss has a website. How about Little Miss Colorado? Sounds legitimate enough, right? Well, Little Miss Colorado is a Christian-based pageant system. We are not looking for an adult in a child's body. Excuse me, what? <laughs> Here's the site for Little Miss Colorado, which is also creepy like a menu or offering of some sort. And if you look closely, all the children featured look a little off in the same way Jean Benet looks off when you observe too closely. (laughs) Yeah, these look like weird. The faces look fake. It's so it looks very Photoshopped, even the bodies like this was just a composite. It's very weird. Okay, this one especially from the Tiny Miss website. The whole image is a bad composite. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. But the poorly photoshopped baby feels like a crude, bizarre addition. Maybe just, you know, just messing with people. But things really take a turn for the WTF when you search Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, another one of Jean monnet 's purported title wins. It doesn't exist in any form outside of the Jean Bonnet Ramsey murder case. No other past winners, contestants, or even pageants. We are now in uncharted territory. And last but certainly not least, Jean Bonnet's first ever pageant title, crowned in the summer of 95 in the rural lakeside community of Charlevoix, Michigan. A tiny bejeweled tiara sits askew atop Jean Bonnet's mop of blonde hair. She'd be the first, last, and only Little Miss Charlevoix. We see here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it says, um, the Charlevoix property, perched on a bluff overlooking Round Lake and just minutes from Lake Michigan's shoreline, became the Ramsey's favorite summer vacation spot. Jean Benet even won one of her beauty crowns in Michigan, taking Little Miss Charlevoix honors in the summer of 95. Hmm, Okay. Do you find it odd that a Google search of little Miss Charlevoix generates one thousand eight hundred and fifty results, all of which are in direct reference to Jean Bonet Ramsey? A smattering of articles that either a reference her horrendous unsolved murder, or B reinforce her excellence in pageantry pageantry. Again, for the record, according to CNN, the six-year-old took home first place for Little Miss Colorado, Little Miss Charlevoix, Colorado State All-Star Kids cover girl, America's Royal Miss, National Tiny Miss Beauty, and the local Little Miss Christmas beauty pageant. Or did she? The Strange World of Jean Bonnet from Newsweek ninety-seven. In all the miles of film that we're that were lavished on Jean Bonnet, it's hard to find one frame that captures her soul. The rest of us can only stare at her beautiful face and wonder what she might have become. Yeah, and then we see this weird picture of Jean Bonnet like with, with a pinky ring on. It's very strange. Pinky rings are very Masonic. I think they also, in this case with a child, would probably signify some kind of victim of child rape. Or abuse, sacrifice. Alright, from the same article. We're not looking for the little girl who is all made up in frilly dress, said Dolly Abbey or Traverse City, Michigan, who of Traverse City, Michigan, who was executive director of the Little Miss Charlevoix pageant when Jean Bonnet won in ninety-five. Dolly, like her pageant, has a ghost's footprint. Dolly Abbey, executive director of the first pageant, Jean Bonnet would ever win, must have been so traumatized by JBR's death sh- that she left the world of child pageantry, never to bestow another crown. Yeah, so this person doesn't doesn't exist either. In 97, she incorporated Abbey Dolly, a childcare service with a staff of one. <sighs> okay. And how could we forget America's Royal Miss? Another of Jean Bonnet's supposed pageant victories, and yet another digital dead end. The only hint of existence outside of JBR's bona fides comes from an article in the Denver Post, Jean Benet Haunt's Pageant. Okay, enough with the blinding lights of child pageantry. We covered the unfortunate theft of the morgue book, the bizarre absence of a death certificate, so now it's time to cover the documentation of Jean Benet's life. Let's begin with her birth certificate, yeah? Oh, no results found. Not to suggest that one can conjure the birth certificate of a person simply by Googling their name and the words birth certificate together, but isn't it interesting that in the 23 years since her horrific death, not one article, post, tweet, anything ever made mention of it? They show a picture of uh, apparently Patsy and John and Jean Bonnet when she was first born. I don't know why it's in black and white. Like, wasn't that <laughs> wasn't that long ago, right? Like... Why would they be in black and white? They also look super old to be parents, but whatever. Um, well, then what about her schoolmates? Surely Bonnet Ramsey, enigmatic child beauty queen who had been described in every news outlet under the sun as a ball of energy and a spark plug, would have a bevy of close friends who could one day recount their memories of her. No, no, we don't. Well, we see a few and they're actually very weird that the few um, former friends that say something we will get into that in a second. You'd think in this day and age with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that has an absolute bloodlust for their 15 minutes of fame, you'd think that someone would come forward to talk about going to school with her or at the very least sell their yearbook to the tabloids for a little cash. So um, this person Googled, I went to school with Jean Benet, and they found this. Someone who's documented their experience with JBR from when they, too, were living an idyllic childhood in the upscale community of Boulder. Here we go. Oh, and it's a Jewess. (laughs) The weirdest kid I ever met by Isabel Cohn. She's there, but she's not. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Here's the article. Tag, you're it. I say to JonBenet Ramsey, my hand reaches for her shoulder to tag it, but instead of the fleshy mound I expect from my limited experience with shoulders, I'm met with a surprising sensation. Rather than making contact with her, my hand sinks down into a scratchy puff of red lace and taffeta, falling for what seems like forever, before stopping short at a shoulder pad. For a second, I let it rest there, expect expecting the warm reaction of human touch to arrive. But when it doesn't, I recoil my hand. This next line is interesting. It's like there's nothing living under the blazing scarlet pageant gown her parents have adorned her with. She's there, but she's not. (laughs) Ridiculous. Now, it gets even weirder weirder with this Isabel Cohn. She actually um, turned turned out being a writer for Vice. And this is an article that she wrote. I can't get out of bed without masturbating. Vice 2019. <laughs> what? It's ridiculous. All right, the article goes on louche. This matters very much. All the turmoil in this world aims to exploit the louche we emanate. Louche, referring to the emotional energy radiated by animals and humans in dire circumstances that entail intense, severe pain and suffering in body and psyche. Off-topic, but not unrelated. Once seen, it can never be unseen. It's showing Madeline McCann and how that might also not be a a real person. Again, this isn't saying that things like that don't happen, right? And there are a lot of weird things going on with these cases. But I wouldn't put it past him to do this kind of stuff. I really wouldn't. The level of media saturation reached by these two cases, jean Bonnet and Maddie, is impossible to underestimate or overstate. The most horrific unyielding of mysteries, a steady flow of horrific details, saturating the public awareness in the years to come. But was any of it real? I don't know. I do not know. People ask, how did I get here? What series of steps and missteps delivered me from a deep slumber to a sudden awakening? The answer, the death of Jean Binet. When asleep, nothing made sense. The case, a tangled web of trauma. Then nothing added up. A tangled web of deceit. Sleeping Beauty 1 and 2 are a series of watercolors by MM depicting Jean Benet. Oh, it's by Marilyn Manson. I guess he did some artwork about Jean Benet. Um. Very strange. I suspect Marilyn knows the truth. <laughs> Maybe. MM also focused his creative energy on Elizabeth Short, known as the Black Dahlia, an American woman who was found murdered in Los Angeles. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they were doing composites back then. Her case became highly publicized due to the graphic nature of the crime. Her corpse had been mutilated and bisected at the waist. The Black Dahlia murder case mirrors the death of Jean Benet and disappearance of Madeline McCann in that the public was spellbound, captivated, held hostage by the horrific, gruesome details and imagery surrounding the case. kind of reminds me of the whole um, Chris, uh, Chris Watts, was that it? Chris Watts. That's interesting. If it was Watts, because it makes me think of the Watts riots. But yeah, that whole thing where you know he killed his his uh, wife and his children and stuffed them in an oil drum, which made no sense at all. Like, how would you even stuff a body in an oil drum? And why would you go through the trouble of it? Just, it was. It made no sense. It made no sense. We found out that he had ties to um, what was the governmental agency? I don't know. Or actually, it was ties to the military. I, I don't know. And Darko, something like that. But anyways, let's go back to this. Okay. Back to the basics. Back to Boulder. Back to the Ramseys. John and Patsy Ramsey, on the day after Christmas, their six-year-old daughter, Bonnet, a lovely child who had won the local Little Miss Christmas beauty pageant, was discovered dead in the basement of their home with duct tape over her mouth and a cord twisted around her neck. Yeah, there's an artist's recreation of it, and it's really... Weird, and she's also wearing like a pentagram shirt. A lamb sacrificed on Christmas, a most shocking, unspeakable death, discovered by the very person who just six years prior bought Jean-Benet Ramsey into the world. Jean, John Benet Ramsey. How, what? Do, like, why would you name your daughter after yourself? That's really weird. <laughs> like, I'd be like, if I named my son Sine- Sinead, Mac, <laughs> Sinead <Mick. laughs> American businessman, founder, and former president of billion-dollar company Access Graphics. And his wife, Patsy, who was also apparently pageant royalty royalty in her own right. Uh, yeah, she was apparently the former Miss West Virginia of 1977, but it seems like mom might have a fake pageant past as well. I love this quote. Patsy was your normal mom who absolutely loved her kid, the perfect mother and the perfect daughter. Yeah, that's what all friends say about each other. Such a, it seems such like an authentic quote. <laughs> My friend was the perfect mother and she had the perfect daughter. She was just a normal mom. Okay. Recalled by Randy Simmons, Jean Benet's photographer to People magazine following her death the perfect mother and daughter. That's the one who said that quote. According to her LA Times obituary, Patricia Ann Paw was born December 29th, 1956 and raised in West Virginia. She was crowned Miss West Virginia for the 1977 Miss America contest. First time around, nothing to see, but with fresh eyes, nothing exists. All right, so we're looking at her her records here. Okay, she won in 1977. Important clarification Pat Brown won Miss West Virginia USA Circuit in 77, not Miss West Virginia America Circuit as we're told. And yet this oversight doesn't resolve itself. Wikipedia backs it up quickly, but official records from Miss West Virginia, American America edition don't seem to exist. And the website listed on the Wikipedia page doesn't exist either. There's even a picture of the mom from this um, pageant. And we see, um, you know, video from the pageant and the, the camera, like the quality is way different. It looks a lot Um, older in the video, which is like the actual pageant, but this picture of Patsy Ramsey looks way too digitally crisp (laughs) to be something from the 70s. Even just the color scheme and everything is just completely different. They tried to give it that vintage look, but it doesn't look legit at all. And then someone sent me this. Look closely. West Virginia. We see a different name. Teresa Lynn Lucas. So, and then there's this, um, Teresa Lynn Lucas of West Virginia mentioned in an article about other winners of Miss West Virginia. They never even thought we'd look. So that's a completely different woman that won that year. Teresa Lynn Lucas. <laughs> You'd think that somebody would catch on and be like, wait, what? Why are they? Who's this random patsy lady? Like I won, but who knows? Maybe this person isn't reading the news. I don't know, but it's just very strange. Or they paid her off. I don't know. So someone correctly pointed out that Patsy would have competed for Miss America in 78, not 77. And that's where things get even murkier. There are no photos, no videos, no crowning ceremony, no digital documentation of the 78 Miss America pageant. But they do exist for 77 and 79. Did they just erase it from, you know, from history because it wasn't Patsy? Maybe. Yeah. So why does nothing seem to exist for the year Patricia Ann Pa participated? (laughs) also excerpts like this make me think mistakes were made and tracks are being covered. I've seen this excerpt many times before from a Miss America judge the same year that Patsy competed, not the year he recalls that Patsy seemed too programmed and a little, uh, and a little automation. Okay. That was a quote from him. Um, okay. So the official website for Miss West Virginia, Miss America, as listed on Wikipedia, is down. And an alternate website URL listed on the org's official Twitter profile is also down. What are the odds? Another ghosted trail. How I feel after looking into Patsy just shows a picture of what I think is supposed to be this Patsy person. Interesting name to right? Patsy. It says, this image gives me nightmares. We'll explore John's history next. Allow me a final thought on the pageantry. For a child competing in small, local, and seemingly non-existent beauty pageants, why bother with the elaborate regalia? Handmade gowns of satin and French lace, beaded with pearl rhinestones and aurora borealis crystals, to what end? Enter Pamela Griffin, Patsy Ramsey's confidant and seamstress, responsible for Jean Monnet's impressive collection of handmade, highly detailed, designer-inspired pageant costumes. Truly a gifted, prolific artist, when you consider Jean Benet's pageant career spanned less than two years. <laughs> yeah. There's a quote here about a $750 miniature ball gown made of satin and French lace and Aurora Borealis crystals. But where is this pageant design phenom now? Surely Pamela would have pursued a career in designing for pageants after Jean Benet's untimely death. Alas, she did not. She exists only to further darken the shadow of deception enveloping this entire case. The name always struck me, Jean Benet, a poor man too, a linguistic blend where multiple word phenomes, oh sorry, phonemes sounds are combined to create one singularly unique brand new word never before seen or heard like smog of smoke and fog. And Jean Benet of Jean of John Benet, A star is born. Jean Bonnet, singularly searchable. Making this article by the Denver Post most intriguing. Text of Jean Bonnet's autopsy report. Published August 13th, 1996. Jean Bonnet wouldn't be sacrificed on Christmas for months. 136 days to be exact. Weird. So they had this... They had this out before the murder huh yeah august thirteenth nineteen ninety six at three thirty is when it was published. We'll chalk it up to just another harmless chink in the armor, maybe another bizarre inexplicable but ultimately explainable discordance found in the finer details of this case. What's our other choice? The simplest solution is most likely the right one and why does Jean Ramsay's Ramsey's official IMDb page appear to have been published on December 17th, 1996, 9 days before news of her tragic unspeakable death was to crash upon American America and the world like a tsunami. Curiouser and curiouser. Okay, back through the looking glass. Despite our wellspring of Jean benet Ramsey details, we don't seem to know much about her father and namesake, John Benet Ramsey. Other than that, by all accounts, he was remarkably successful as a businessman with a tragic roster of dead daughters. Hmm. Reaching the billion dollar mark in 1996 was no small feat, and yet it came relatively quickly for John Ramsey's booming company, Access Graphics, the firm he started in 1988 and then sold to Lockheed Martin Corp in 1991. According to reports, that is. The original 1988 corporate filings would have gone through the state of Georgia as John and Patsy were residents of Atlanta at the time, having lived there together since their marriage in 1980. But according to records, filings for Access Graphics Inc. do not begin until 1992. So naturally, you think, of course, that they could just be filed somewhere else or filed under a different name or in a different state, sort of filed by AGI in 1989, not with, not with the state of Georgia, but with the secretary of state enlisting AGI as a foreign profit company. Huh? More on that tangled web later. Before he met Patsy, John Ramsey married his college sweetheart, an elementary ed major named Lucinda Posh in 1966. They had three children and lived in Atlanta. No photos exist of John's first family and few exist with his first set of children. A brief rewind. John Ramsey joined the U.S. Navy in 1966, the same year he married Lucinda and eventually was stationed in the Subic Bay Training Center, or SBTC, in the Philippines for two years. This according to a 1998 deposition in a defamation lawsuit. So we have Subic Bay Training Center, the ransom note. Once this was fed, this public speculation connecting guilt back to John was fast, fiery, and fierce. Even if it wasn't John, it must have been someone close to him. Someone with a thirst for blood and vengeance for John Ramsey. Married in 1980, John and Patsy's relationship was rocked by one tragedy after another. John's first daughter, Elizabeth, died in a horrific car crash. Sinister allegations have clung to her narrative since the beginning. Patsy battled cancer twice. And then, of course, Jean JonBenet. And here we must pause again for sanity, but I will leave you with this to ponder. John Ramsey and Christopher Watts, oh, that, yep, mentioned him earlier, who admitted to killing his pregnant wife, Shanann, Shen- by strangulation and smothering their daughters, four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Cece. It's the eyes and the teeth. It's the eyes and the teeth and the mouth and the nose. Good night. Hmm. Is he saying Chris Watts doesn't exist either? I don't know. I mean, I saw a video. But who freaking knows anymore? It would be a lot easier to create fake people than have, like, actors because, you know, they can get recognized or, you know, they're human. They might let a secret out to somebody. But, yeah, I mean, like, CGI people, have them do stuff. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. All right, it goes on a little bit more. Something I overlooked when sharing an article about Pamela Griffin, Jean Bonnet's once prolific, now invisible pageant seamstress. She casts doubt on Jean Bonnet's photographer because he sold her portfolio photos after her death to an agency with little footprint and no longer exists. What strikes me as most significant is the Denver Post article containing the entire text of the coroner's autopsy report dated 136 days prior to jean Bonnet's death. This potentially volcanic discovery could simply be a mistake, an accidental misfiring of archival date systems. If that was the case, simply an erroneous misclassification of archival history made by the Denver Post's database, then how did it affect Google's search result history at the same time? Google seems to agree that the webpage first existed on August 13th, 1996, but that's not all. The devil, as they say, is in the details. Official autopsy. Stomach contains a small amount, 8 to 10 cc's, of viscous to green to tan-colored thick mucus material. Denver Post. Stomach contains a small amount, 8 to 11 cc's, of viscous to green to tan-colored thick mucus material. There's more, but here are links if you'd like to play along. So here's the official autopsy that was released. A golden yellow cortex surmounts a thin brown tan medular area. Another one. A golden yellow cortex surrounds a thin brown tan medular area. Do they just make a typo? It appears the Denver Post's rough draft from the corner was riddled with typos, but what rough draft isn't? All right. The official autopsy here says possible... Patachial hemorrhages are also seen on the conjunctival surfaces of the right upper and lower eyelids. (laughs) Another typo. Why the discrepancies, huh? I don't know. Very strange. Very, very strange. So that is pretty much it for this thread. I wasn't able to find the first one, unfortunately, but definitely some food for thought. Really strange things going on there. So yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. I am seeing the same account though that, you know, that came out with all of that saying that Epstein never existed. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. <laughs> Apparently, also kind of switching topics a bit, but the law firm representing uh Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, the same one that was tied to the Ramses is the same law firm that represented Kobe in his infamously defining rape case. Hmm, oh, okay. Also, Kyle just informed me that my TikTok account, all of my plays have been taken away. I think I was up to like 14 or 15,000 on our um, Mind Control in America trailer. I had thousands of views on uh, my Randonautica, and we had just released this video of a, a noose that was totally hanging in our backyard. So, yeah, someone obviously reported me, but I still have 599 followers, you know, so hopefully someone will. Uh, still watch my talks, but I could always just make another account. They actually, um, banned the hashtag #PizzaGate uh, recently and a bunch of other great stuff. I thought, you know, maybe I'll last on this TikTok thing. Cause like, you know, no one's really reported me yet, but apparently the noose video just, uh, whew, just threw me over the edge. I wonder if my comments are still there. Okay. So comments are still there, but all of my views are gone. They want to make it look like, oh, this is just some obscure, weird, crazy lady on the internet that nobody else agrees with. When so many people agree with it, <laughs> so many. I only put this out like a week or two ago, and it and it had like thousands and thousands of views. So a lot of people are are aware to the tr- aware of the truth. All right. Also, I wanted to talk about this um, this minister for children in Ireland, who's a freaking pederast. is tied to. Uh, pederasts that promote child rape and is now trying to backpedal, say like, oh, no, I, I love children. I care about children. So his name is Roderick O'Gorma. He was recently outed as being a deviant pederast. Um, he marched right beside British LGBT rights campaigner Peter Tatchell at Dublin's Pride March several years ago. So here's what Tatchell had to say. Um, He wrote this letter, I guess, for The Guardian, which is one of the largest newspapers in England, um, and it was duly published. So this is what he had to say about um, why raping children is good. Okay, he says, Ross Coward, Why Dares to Speak Says Nothing Useful, June twenty whatever, thinks it is shocking that gay men's press has published a book, Dares to Speak?, which challenges the assumption that all sex involving children and adults is abusive. I think it is courageous. The distinguished psychologists and anthropologists cited in this book deserve to be heard, offering a rationale and informed perspective on sexual relations between younger and older people. They document examples of societies where consenting intergenerational sex is considered normal. Yeah, that's probably because they're not white societies. That's something that we don't usually put up with, except for now, because we're all mind-poisoned. Well, I'm not, but you know what I mean. Okay, back to this. So, um, yeah, it's beneficial and enjoyable by old and young alike. Oh, my God. Professor Gilbert Hurt points to the Sambia tribe of Papua New Guinea. Oh, where they also eat people. (laughs) Yeah, we should be more like them. Where all young boys have sex with older warriors as part of their initiation into manhood. Far from being harmed. No, they're literally raped. Professor Hertz says the boys grow up to be happy, well-adjusted husbands and fathers. They don't have, like, husbands and shit in these tribes, I don't think, at least. Anyways. Anyways. The positive nature of some child-adult sexual relationships is not confined to non-western cultures. Several of my friends, gay and straight, male and female, have had sex with adults from the ages of 9 to 13. None feel they were abused; all say it was their conscious choice and gave them great joy. <laughs> While it may be impossible, where did it go? This is a very old uh Scan of this newspaper, so it's kind of hard to read. While it may be impossible to condone pedophilia, oh, impossible, it is time society acknowledged the truth that not all sex involving children is unwanted, abusive, and harmful. Peter Tatchell. Oh, okay. He also is holding up a pie sign at uh, some LGBT thing, and pie stands for pedophile information exchange. I don't think this is photoshopped, but it says not all sex involving children is unwanted. And then pie. I guess he was also um, an ex Labour Party MP candidate, but he's a big LGBT pederast. Uh, this Peter guy even authored an entire chapter from a pro-child rape book called "The Betrayal of Youth." I love how they try to act like they're they're saving the youth by raping them. Uh, it was Chapter 9, Questioning Ages of Majority and Ages of Consent. This creature that belongs at the bottom of a bog even had the audacity to try and deny his promotion of child rape. They really feel that they're untouchable, and unfortunately, they're somewhat correct. If our people weren't so mind-poisoned, creatures like this guy would be put before a firing squad. Here's his tweet, uh, Peter Tatchel. I've always opposed adults having sex with kids. Read my views here. In Instead... What? ink Ed against abuse? I don't know what the hell that means. But he's trying to say, oh, no, I, I never said those things. You literally did. Trying to say, oh, well, I meant, like, children having sex with each other. Yeah, really. Like, who who needs to advocate for that? They already do it. And I don't mean children, like teenagers, you know? So why, why are you acting like, oh, we need to make it okay? Like, our society is sexualizing children. I don't think anyone's trying to pre- prevent that from happening. I couldn't find any definitive proof that this guy guy was a Jew, and honestly, I didn't look that long because I've got other things to do, but you know, he writes about Jews all the time, writes about Harvey Milk and Magnus Hirschfeld, a German LGBT pioneer. No, it was a Jew. He was like the first tranny or something or did the first tranny surgery. He's got Holocaust Memorial Day. He even has his own Peter Tatchell Foundation. And his cover photo on Twitter is a quote from himself. Narcissistic pederast. So this, uh, this minister of children rodrigo gorman is now playing the victim and claiming that oh i don't have anything to do with this guy we were just marching together in an lgbt thing lgbtq whatever and it's a far right extremist plot to bring him down yeah Uh uh-huh a small group of people with a very clear agenda no, it's not a small group of people. It's most people think that this is wrong, but they want to make it look like, oh, it's just fringe uh, Nazis and people that aren't okay with this. Yeah. He said, I'm taking this opportunity to set the record straight. This week, my hope was to focus on getting stuck into my new role as minister. However, over the last few days, there have been claims made online about me which I cannot allow to stand uncorrected. The accusations are rooted in homophobia, stoked by anonymous far-right Twitter accounts. These accounts are using manipulation for their own ends, playing upon the genuine, deeply held concern we all share for child protection. I met Peter Tatchell once and took a photo. That was the only time I have met him. I knew of him as someone who stood up for the LGBT people in countries where their rights were threatened. Yeah, yeah. It's just like everybody, oh, like Elon Musk, I just took a picture with Ghislaine. Oh, weird. I I don't know these people. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. It's absolutely disgusting and, uh, yeah. Gross. Gross. Okay, so I just wanted to get to a few more topics before I close out for tonight. Um, so I wanted to talk about this, this new app that came out, it's called randonautica. All right. So I'll kind of just take from, uh, from my article that I wrote about it for the Tribune here. So, oh, great. My cat is walking across my laptop. (sighs) Okay. All right. So recently, an app called Randonautica was brought to my attention when I saw a news article about how some TikTok teens had been using this Randonautica app. Oh my God, she's now she's banging into everything. She's like rubbing up against everything, knocking things over. Oh, I'm just going to keep going though. I don't have time to edit this out. So yeah, these TikTok teens were using this app and then they stumbled upon a suitcase containing a dead body. So Basically what this app does is you give it your coordinates, you um, basically say if you want to have some, a place that's an attractor which apparently is like a high energetic area, or a void which apparently has you know no energy there or it's you know devoid of energy, I don't know. So you um, randomly are given a location based on a random number generator, you know totally random and it'll tell you to go somewhere. Now, this app, of course, came out um, in, during the pandemic, so I think that's no accident. That oh, a bunch of you know kids and teens and young adults are bored at home, nothing to do. Well, you can go out rando nodding. So these. Teens, I think they're teens, young adults, um, are TikToking about how they stumbled upon this weird suitcase when they went to one of these random locations. And they go and, you know, they notice that it smells really bad. So they think, well, let's like open it up. They open it up with a stick or something and they're kind of poking around and the smell got even worse. And so they got really freaked out, and they decided to call the police, and the police ended up coming, and I guess it turns out, and this was covered in mainstream media, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently there were body parts in there. You know, there was a portion of a dead body in this suitcase, which the app brought them to. They brought them right to this. So, okay, if this is real, um, I don't believe that Randonaut is uh, random (laughs) at all. Um, I think people... Are telling people exactly where to go, and a lot of people are finding weird things like you know, children's clothes and weird areas. Um, so I just thought that was really, really weird. Um, so I saw something on TikTok earlier today that apparently the bodies of the two people were identified, they were a white couple, I forget their names. Um, I'm not gonna spend too much time on it, but that was apparently. You know, the people that were uh, chopped up and put in the suitcase, at least portions of them. Other users um, of the Randonautica app reported that they were getting coordinates out in the water of that same area. So, you know, were there more bags of body parts? I don't know. It's very weird. But some were speculating that they were killed, you know, in the Chaz or Chop, whatever the hell it was called, and that they were disposed of there. I don't know. It's all very, very strange, though and i feel that this is um it, it's basically a psychological warfare app really because they're getting these kids and young people to think that everything is a simulation that you don't exist no one else exists or wait no no nothing exists outside of yourself so you're just yourself interacting with yourself in dark space like you're hooked up to a computer and it's ridiculous they believe that we're in a simulation because they've never seen their neighbors carry in groceries Okay, while that is weird, and when you think about it, like yeah, i actually don 't think I ever have, but i 'm also not sitting out there watching my neighbors twenty four seven i 'm sure if I did, I would probably see them bringing in groceries, but it 's like this Mandela effect stuff, and um, it 's the new the new hot thing for people to do, so I was just looking into it a little bit more deeply. I found this really weird. Um, image that's associated with it, it looks like either a moth or a butterfly, which is usually, you know, a symbol of either transhumanism or, you know, some mind control. And um, it's like how to set up and use the Randonaut app. And we also have this weird triangle with the letters TFP. I don't know what that means. I know that apparently in the biz, TFP means means something along the lines of a trade for prints. So like if a model was doing work, sh- she would say, "Okay, if this is TFP, then I get the prints as um you know, in exchange for my modeling services or whatever." So I don't know what that TFP means, but the symbolism is very strange. So of course, guys, it ties into the Discordians and the Chaos Magicians. Like, oh, of course, right? Because this, this is causing chaos. So I just wanted to read um, about the Discordian Society's connection because I've done some shows in the past about them. They pop up everywhere. They are embedded in everything, and uh, especially the new right and the alt-right and all that. So, the Discordian Society went on to birth the Church of the Subgenius, which we've talked about beside, uh, talked about before, and then they went on to birth the Cacophony Society. So the Cacophony Society is a network of randomly gathered free spirits, totally random, united in the pursuit of experiences beyond the pale of mainstream society. The Society was actually the inspiration behind Project Mayhem in Fight Club, which was written by one of its members, Chuck... I can never say this guy's name. Palanyuk. Influenced by philosophies like ontological anarchism, movies like The Stalker, as well as The Situationist. Wait, Yeah, Situationist. And the data movements. The Cacophony Society created the concept of zone trips. Whoa, man. Whoa a zone is basically a place where anything can happen and the laws of physics don't always apply. The Cacophony Society's Zone Trip number 4 was actually the first ever Burning Man event. Hmm, right? Weird which I'd say could definitely be compared to a place outside of reality. Another practice closely associated with discordianism is chaos magic, and we know our buddy Alexander Dugan loves his chaos star. He uses it to represent his Eurasian society, and we know that the new right is also using this chaos star. It's all over the place. I see it on band members, arms, you know, tattooed. I just It's everywhere. And it's usually associated with communism. So, obviously super great. Our people are for order, you know. We've gotten this idea that order is bad because the whole New World Order thing, you know, that's obviously not good. But order is nature. I mean, there is, I guess you could say, a chaotic element to nature, but not really. And when they're trying to create chaos, yeah, that's not good for us. We want order. We want things to be working and and natural, Okay, so chaos magic was developed during the 1970s using the philosophies of artist and occultist Oz, Austin Spare. I think he also went by Austin Osman Spare. Like discordianism, chaos magic denies the knowability no of objective truth. So there's no, there's no, it's all relative, bro. It's all relative, kind of like uh, millennial woes. You can't logically argue that raping an animal's bad. You know, it's all relative. There's no truth. It rejects all fixed models of reality. Chaos magicians are encouraged to believe whatever they want, whenever they want, as long as it helps them achieve their desired end. They treat belief like a tool. Rituals, which are unique to the individual, only serve to enhance their belief through symbolic actions. Chaos magic has been gaining a lot of popularity online lately, and many of these magicians have started using the internet as a place to conduct their rituals. This kind of reminds me of the whole Cicada 3301 thing. It seems using machines to experience the supernatural is a common interest among humans. Another method chaos magicians use is creating sigils. A sigil is basically a unique symbol drawn by the practitioner with a specific intention. In theory, it's supposed to help someone manifest their goal. Grant Morrison once claimed his comic book, The Invisibles, was actually a sigil meant to change the whole world, and seemingly it did. The comic published in 94 predicted the rise of social media, media conspiracies becoming accepted facts, and gender fluidity going mainstream. Both chaos magic and discordianism have associations with an even stranger organization, the Moorish Orthodox Church. (laughs) Right? I mean, are we surprised? Which is an outgrowth of the Moorish Science Temple of America, whose teachings influenced Malcolm X. The church was founded in New York City in 1962 and then revived in the early 1990s by an eccentric group of artists, musicians, rocket scientists, cyberneticists, and mystics. However, according to an urban legend, members of the church, along with some runaways, anarchists, and disgraced chaos scientists, also took part in building a commune in a ghost town somewhere in southern New Jersey. The ghost town is known as Ong's Hot, and supposedly the commune there once housed a biofeedback brain machine built inside a sensory deprivation chamber known as the Egg. Apparently, one day this machine vanished into thin air and achieved interdimensional travel. Some claim this event created a gateway to a parallel universe where the members of the old commune now reside. To this day, people who visit Ong's hat report many strange anomalies. These groups then went on to influence the Randonauts, a collective of existential investigators researching unknown spaces outside the predetermined reality tunnels. They do this using a quantum random location generator. Supposedly, these unknown spaces are similar to zones and gateways. Many people are also experiencing meaningful coincidences in these areas or as they approach them. So, again, I don't think it's random at all. I think they're screwing with people majorly. Um, this was on the Randonauts Twitter, the official Twitter. It says, Another one of my favorite finds. One of Fatum's early logos featured a chaos sphere, a symbol of chaos magic. So, they found, you know, a chaos star somewhere. Just thought that was interesting. So, yeah, what is the ultimate goal of this app? I I think it's just to cause uh, psychosis in people, honestly. I mean, they're thinking like, whoa, this is so random, but someone's controlling this, and they're probably leading people on wild goose chases. In some instances, people are getting nothing, you know, but... Who knows? Maybe they're also testing some mind control technology. I don't know, because you're supposed to set your intention uh, before you do it. You're supposed to think really, really hard about what you want to manifest. So, yeah, it's just really weird. Just thought I would uh, tell you guys about that. I actually used the Randonautica hashtag on my TikTok and did one. Um, you can check it out if you want, but it's basically, I planted an envelope in the woods and I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And I opened it up and it was something like, you know, t- stop the Jewish stranglehold on America. And luckily because I used the hashtag it got a lot of views. And I think people are like, what, what does that mean? I, someone left a funny comment, um, that this is metaphysics for the tide pod generation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's perfectly said. I also thought this comment was really good. All these games are meant to blur the line between illusion and reality and indeed to create chaos. They are some sort of diluted MK Ultra for the masses. Computer games, reality shows, and almost all modern entertainment is geared toward giving the illusion that the person watching becomes a willing participant. When in reality, everything is pre-programmed and you can't deviate from what is allowed. Everything is happening inside the matrix, no matter how much the magician is trying to pretend that the players have free will. Nationalist movements are also controlled in under to channel people's feelings of dissatisfaction and anger into a path which will give the illusion of change. But the controlled chaos will guarantee that the essence stays the same. Capitalism can be controlled exactly like communism. They are both oligarchic monopolies run from the top down by a self-centered elite No social order was fair to the people after the first primitive organizations. As soon as man discovered what power over others means, some constantly worked to enslave the rest. Dugan is considered a very dangerous philosopher, as many world leaders tend to apply his apparently mad theories to real life. He is not even a philosopher. In fact, like Olavo Carvalho found to his surprise in the debate, which he agreed to have with Dugan some years ago, but a Bolshevik sophist ready to twist everything to suit his point of view. Dugan considers the era of logos, meaning order and logic, as having come to an end, and the only way to transcend it being to accept chaos as more inclusive. In the metaphysics of chaos, he argues very shrewdly for a Masonic ordo ab keo, pretending to define chaos as preontologic real- reality in the Greek philosophy sense of the term, but also admitting and alluding to the fact that there is another way of knowing which is, in fact, the occult. So, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. This was also interesting. An example of why symbolism is important so that those in the know will be alerted to the true reasons and characters behind a certain facade. This is one of the leader trolls from the Dugan's Discus group. His avatar is an acacia spring. Acacia is one of the most important symbols in Freemasonry. It's a symbol of the immortality of the soul from an old Egyptian story adapted to the craft. Dugan's troll is advertising who he is to, to the initiates so that he will get help online from strangers on the same side, if necessary, as the comrades slash brothers are all required to do. And it is also signaling to his supporters, or rather his superiors, that everything is under control, while he is freely moving between apparently irreconcilable extremes like Nazism and communism, white nationalism and Jewish worldview, etc., very interesting. All right. Also wanted to talk about this event that happened recently. Um, it's being called an attempted lynching. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, when I first found out about this, I watched the videos several times and still had no idea what the heck was going on. So I will kind of go through my article that I wrote on it and we'll just see how crazy this is that all black people have to do is just say they tried to lynch me, and everybody believes it and tries to ruin these people's lives. So let's go over this real quick. So my computer's taking forever. I'll just start talking about it. So basically, um, this Dindu and his and his friends were just going to watch the eclipse or the lunar—I don't know—something like the solstice. I don't even know what he said. Um, and apparently they're on private property. So these white people come up to them and are apparently trying to get him off the property, him and his buddies who kind of looked a little swarthy. Um, and it turns into this big thing, I guess, where they hold the black man up against the tree, you know, just detaining him basically like, stop, leave. We've asked you guys to leave. And so they're just saying that this is a lynching, (laughs) an attempted lynching. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'll read to you a little bit about what this Dindu said, who, by the way, has been kicked out of the Bloomington, Indiana, Black Lives Matter group. So they don't even like this guy. He's clearly just trying to either. Well, he's trying to get money and help his campaign. He's going for some political office. I don't know. But he just says that. On July 4th evening, others and me were victims of what I would describe as a hate crime. I was attacked by five white men with Confederate flags. I don't even see any of them with Confederate flags in the videos. Who literally threatened to lynch me in front of numerous witnesses. (laughs) The backstory is some individuals, my friends and me, had all planned on gathering to view the lunar eclipse at Lake Monroe. Rather than celebrating Independence Day, we were simply looking forward to a night of enjoying nature's Awesome beauty. On the way to the park, um, there was a white male, seemingly drunk, wearing an oversized hat with a Confederate flag print on it. We were polite and continued on, even though the encounter felt awkward. It was probably awkward because you're on private property. I highly doubt these people will just make that up. Oh, let's let's like make ourselves look really bad and and tell this black guy and these people to get off our property when it's not ours. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So he never explains how it like got to the point where he's up against the tree, but I'm assuming they were refusing to leave, probably saying things to gaslight the white people on purpose. It, it, they probably came there with the plan of doing exactly this. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. They do this stuff all the time. So, yeah, he just says that he was lynched. You know, you can donate money to him here and, uh, you know, press contacts are here. And it's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense at all. But the FBI is going to start investigating this as a hate crime. (laughs) Yeah, as a hate crime. And apparently someone checked the calls for that area, and there was a 911 call for, you know, trespassing private property, which is illegal, and you, you can technically be shot. So, yeah, just another day in paradise here. Black, gay black men who hate white people can make any accusation about you say that you were trying to lynch them because you were near a tree. Like... There was not a branch anywhere in sight. There was not a noose. There was... I mean, I don't know. I always thought lynching was being hanged, but I guess it could just be like any vigilante justice or something. But he was up against a damn tree. They were holding him there. If they were going to kill this man, they would be probably shooting him because he's on private property. But no, they were detaining him. So, yeah, I haven't really looked into, you know, if anything's happened to these people since then. I think most of them own their own companies, so it doesn't really matter. You know, they're all trying to get him fired. But just how crazy that all a black person has to do is make an accusation. Oh, and all the Karen videos I see coming out now, it's just absolutely insane. You know, it's black women that are basically being the Karens as white women are just trying to ask them a question or something. And they're like, what do you want from me? I don't feel safe around you, Karen. It's out of control. It's out of control. So my last thing I want to talk about for this show is this weird thing going on with Wayfair. Wayfair is a website kind of like Amazon or one of these places you can buy furniture and all that good stuff. Um, And there's something very strange going on on this site and other sites um, where they're basically listing innocuous items like a throw pillow or a set of like a cabinet for upwards of 35 grand, sometimes 10 grand. And they're using names, um, the same names as children that are missing in the titles It's really, really weird. So I'm going to go over this real quick with you guys. Something about it seems like, I don't know, like they're putting this out. I don't know. I can't tell if they're doing it just to like, you know, stir something, maybe get us not thinking about Ghislaine or I don't know. Um, We're just normalizing it. Or if they are just basically throwing it in our faces like, yeah, this is what we do. What are you going to do about it? You know? So, all right. The title of the article is Are Missing Children Being Trafficked on Wayfair? Recently it was brought to my attention that the website wayfair.com had items such as cabinets and throw pillows that were oddly named. When digging deeper, we see that there are missing children that have the same names as the pillows and cabinets that are being offered. Even strangers that the items are upwards of $10,000. $10,000 for a cheap pillow? Really? That doesn't make any sense. The anti-trafficking activist who first exposed the scandal goes by Princess Peach 1987 on Reddit. She says, "Is it possible Wayfair involved in human tra- Wayfair is involved with human trafficking with their WFX utility collection, or are these just extremely overpriced cabinets? Note the names of the cabinets. This makes me sick to my stomach. If true, some people have said that okay, this is just money laundering, but then why have these weird names and why have?" other stuff associated with it which I'll get to in a minute if it's just money laundering you know I I don't know so some people are now speculating that this scandal goes all the way to the top since the CEO of Wayfair is Niraj Shah who is also the director of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and his charity is the Boys and Girls Club and we know that the Boys and Girls Club has had a lot of sexual abuse scandals I believe they even allow gay men to be around Boy Scouts now We also see pedophile logos on several of the items for sale. We see a pedophile symbol with the Isabelene logo. So Isabelene is apparently um, uh, like a a brand of Wayfarers for some home furniture. And it has what looks just like the the Boy Lover logo. It's just like flipped around, you know, as people are saying, oh, it's just a coincidence. But, you know, because it's not going the same way. But I don't know. I don't I've never really seen that in any kind of like company's logo really actually i have i take that back there's an art supply store down in daytona beach that kyle and i drove by that had the boy lover triangle i I didn't even know if it was open anymore but it was very weird so okay they have this uh bussarelli one night light for um almost twenty euro or is that pounds i think that's pounds yeah and they have the the spiral on there. They, you know, they've got the spiral. And then it's it's called Isabelline. Now, that's interesting because Ghislaine's uh, sister's name is Isabel. And <laughs> that's just weird. Like Isabelene, Isabel Ghislaine. I don't know. It's weird. Um, this is what one Reddit poster who said they worked for Wayfair in the past had to say. And I think it's really creepy. All right. They said... I worked there, and when we ran across these, we were told to put in a special ticket for items like this, but they were never actually removed from the website. There were tons, not just throw pillows and cabinets, but tables, paintings, etc. I had a lady call in for a basic $50,000 table that I thought was odd, especially considering that she wanted that one, when it was no different than another on our sister page. What people didn't realize is that Wayfair has sister websites, Joss Joss and Main, Birch Lane, All Modern, and Perigold, Birch Lane, it's like Gis Lane, okay, and Perigold being the one in which we were specifically instructed to never service and check out their prices that are reserved for higher price points. That in itself was shady and cost me a few sales because the items were exactly the same down to the skew but we're being sold at different price points. Considering that Wayfair employees service the sister sites and there's no designated call center for any of these other sites, it doesn't make sense as to why they'd be different prices. Besides to squeeze out an extra dollar from the customer. But I digress. After working there, it's not too hard for me to believe. Niraj Shah was the CEO of Racks and Stands, which was also engaged in some shady operations. The stock prices of Wayfair are constantly inflated, and if they had to traffic children to make a quick buck, I wouldn't put it past them. At some point, they were running pilot programs for their own delivery services. At best, this seems highly coincidental. A few of these children have extremely unique names and spellings of their names, so I don't know why their team would decide to tell those names specifically or to use those names. So Wayfair's CEO came back with an explanation that explains absolutely nothing, says, "...there is, of course, no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial-grade cabinets that that are accurately priced." Recognizing that the photos and descriptions provided by the supplier did not adequately explain the high price point, we have temporarily removed the products from from the site to rename them and to provide a more in-depth description in photos that accurately depict the product to clarify the price point. He's like, yeah, no, it's normal that they're buying a $20,000 throw pillow. Like, that's just what we do. Okay, this is the weird, weird, weird part. Okay, so if you take the SKU number and you type it into Yandex, which is basically like Russia's Google, um, with SRC USA in the title, you will get pictures of little girls in bathing suits and like very suggestive sexual pictures. Now, if you've looked at Tom Hanks and his Instagram pictures, his weird pictures of random gloves and children's shoes on the ground, he has a picture... Of a glove on the ground, and it says SRC USA in chalk or spray paint on the on the uh, gravel, which is weird. So this is from a recent Newsweek Newsweek article. Subsequent elaborations on the theory included user review on the Wayfair website for a previously unrelated five thousand dollar fireproof. Filing Cabinet, which includes a 2016 user review from someone in Walnut Creek, California. Now, remember the whole walnut sauce thing with Pizzagate. Supporters of the theory have also drawn connections to the June 2019 protests by Wayfair employees, which objected to the company selling furnishings to a Texas detention facility for migrant children. The facility subsequently closed. However, protesting Wayfair employees never mentioned getting... Uh, setting up public listings for humans. Yeah, gee, I wonder why they wouldn't say that. It's not like Wayfair just nonchalantly told their employees to list humans on the website. Thanks, Newsweek, for that hot take. That's really great. So also, Snopes, our good friend Snopes, um, or friends, rather, over at Snopes, had debunked this conspiracy theory within an hour of it hitting the internet. False. And they're just like, it's false because people like to buy expensive stuff. That's why. So, I don't know. Are we being baited? Are they throwing in our faces? Are they... I don't freaking know, but I don't think they would be so dumb as to let this all out there if they didn't want to get caught. So part of me thinks it's either, you know, they're just throwing it in our faces or they're like leading us on this little chase, you know, as they love to do. Like we've talked about earlier in the show with Jean Benet with everything. So I don't know, guys, it's a crazy freaking world out there. It keeps on getting crazier and I just wish things would not be so terrible but you know, we're just going to keep on, keep on trucking. So please check out heathenherbs.com. I've got some great new products up. Um, I think I should have it out by the time you guys listen to this. It is my new favorite thing. You will love it too. Men, you might be able to wear it. I don't know. Um, but it's, I call it a perfume, but if a man wore it, I think it would smell amazing as well. It's neroli, which is an orange blossom essential oil mixed with a vanilla essential oil, and this vanilla essential oil is so good. I'm so glad I finally found one. Obviously, it's super expensive, but it's worth it because the vanilla essential oil is so hard to find in a pure form. They usually send you a bunch of crap or it's fragrance-based, but this stuff is the real deal, steam distilled, and it's in a roll-on with a little bit of jojoba oil. It is, oh, it's the best smell ever. I love it. I wear it at night, in the morning, just smells amazing. I also have a vanilla and sweet orange candle that's available now with the other ones. We also have the lemongrass and sage and the um, pumpkin spice. And I have a new uh, soap. It's an exfoliating vanilla coffee bean soap. So it has um, vanilla essential oil and coffee grounds in there. So it helps, you know, if you want to give your body a nice scrub, gets off the dead skin um, and leaves your skin feeling nice and soft. So check out the site, guys. I always appreciate your support. Um, it's uh, it's very much appreciated. <laughs> Did I mention that I'm appreciative? Okay. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Are we feeling for the song?
2: Is it hold on to anyone? We keep moving I wish I knew what was on your mind Your silence is more what's was killing me I wish I knew what was on your mind Please